It's that five o'clock time. It's Friday. Sounds dry. Get up, dance, move around, pour yourself a glass, alcohol, not alcohol, whatever you want to do is your preference. Time to have a good time. Relax and enjoy yourself for your favorite podcast of the week. Shout out to Black Queen on the track. Make sure you're tagging on the social media profiles. We're all about supporting our My wife is rearing her beaver like almost a month away with five six seven, so that's probably why I still have to try to go in my past. But we're enjoying it. I mean, I can't really say that. I mean, I'm I'm not carrying another child inside of me, so I think she's enjoying it. You know, as long as I continue to, you know, do my honey do list or bring her sweets and food and stuff, everything seems to be going good. So she just walked in the room. Hi, wife. Love you. <laughs> all right, all right. So, welcome to episode eleven. Episode eleven of Real Talk with Coach Q and Broker West. Yes, yes, yes. All right. For the quick introductions, my name is Kieran McGlory, aka Coach Q. I have the honor and the privilege of helping people buy, sell, and invest in real estate, and I also get to coach agents to help them do what? Help their clients buy, sell, invest in real estate, and create successful businesses. And also let Wes do his introduction, let you all know what Broker West stands for and what does that mean. Hey, it's Wes West, y'all. Wesley Oliver, a.k.a. Broker Wes. I am the mortgage guru, the money man, the bringer of rain. And my job and goal in life is to help as many people as I can to finance homes and other things uh, and help them fit that into their overall picture financially to generate wealth. Oh, I love that. I mean, seriously, who could not like a person that says, I'm I'm looking to help people generate wealth? I mean, doesn't everybody need a person like that in their circle, Wes? Yes, you do. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so what we like to also do, we like to also share uh, quotes, leadership, inspiration, motivation, all that good stuff, because the world needs more of that. So we always take time to share. So today I want to share a quote from, from you from one of my uh, mentors, John Maxwell. And he talks about happiness. Now, a lot of people perceive that in order to be happy, it's external. Whether you have to find something that makes you happy. You have to do something that makes you happy. You have to find a person that makes you happy. But True happiness comes from within. So in order for you to truly be happy, you have to be happy with yourself. Allow the external factors to create an abundance of happiness, but in tr- but to truly be happy, you have to be happy within yourself. So I want you guys all to, to take that moment and understand that you have to be happy with yourself. Whether you're happy with your job, you know, your... The fact that you can get up with your legs and your eyes working, you know, be happy with yourself first and let those external factors 
contribute to your happiness. So happiness starts from within. All right, Wes, what would you like to say about that happiness? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of reminds me of a, it's, I forget where, but it's an old uh, African slang, uh, saying that says, if there is no enemy within, then the enemy outside cannot hurt us. And I believe that wholeheartedly when it comes to dealing with yourself as an individual, because uh, we all know that we're going to be challenged. We're going to face disappointment, setbacks and everything else. And if you're a well-balanced individual and a, you know, happy individual on the inside, you'll be better equipped to deal with those challenges from the outside. And so that's where it starts. And when you're on shaky ground inside, that's when the challenges outside can really you know, break you down. So, um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So let's give it up for happiness. Yes. Happiness. All right. Now we move on to the main event. The main event is usually something that we talk about, you know, that's really important. And it's usually something that goes on in our everyday life, whether it's our personal lives or our business lives. And so today, today uh, we're going to talk about verifying your sources. So Wes, right. verifying your sources, what does that, what does that mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, what I wanted to call this, uh, <laughs> this particular uh, segment was smiling faces. And the reason <laughs> is I was thinking about that old song by the OJs, you know, the one smiling faces tell lies. Smiling <laughs> yeah. faces. Yeah. See, I knew I could get you to break out in song. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> okay, so where this inspiration came from, um, I was watching a particular host on YouTube. They brought somebody in who was supposed to be a mortgage slash real estate slash finance expert. And so I was like, hmm, I never heard of this person before. Let me go check out his channel and see what he's talking about. And so as I started to listen to his channel and watch uh, some of his videos, Number one, I mean, more of his background was not real estate or mortgages. It was more so, I believe he was like helping people with uh, financing businesses through SBA loans. But anyway, the more I watched, uh, I watched maybe like four or five of his videos. Some of them were on whether or not uh, we were headed for a crash or him warning about the crash. One of them was teaching people how to invest and make you know money off your first uh, property investment and all that. And what I realized is he's got his own opinions, which he has the right to, but I could tell just by what he was saying and the things that he was advising that he probably didn't have the background or experience to really be speaking on what he was saying. And let me just preface it this way. This is not about whether he or I agree or disagree because you have every right to do that. But like I said, I just, it just, hit me that, eh, I don't know, that something's off here. Like, he's saying things that make me think he's not really, you know, equipped to talk about some of this stuff. Because, you know, a lot of people will create a show or go on social media and express their feelings to you, how they feel about something, what they think about something. They're reacting to other information based on, a lot of times anecdotal evidence, which is their own experiences, or like I said, just their own opinions. So I thought it'd be a great idea to have the conversation with people about how to verify 
your sources specifically with what we do and people in our space. And by the way, again, had nothing to do with me disagreeing with him because there are credible sources that I do disagree with. So that's not what it's about. But let me start here. So for starters, you want to make sure that they list their credentials because that was something that was never done in that initial uh, in that initial video. I went back and watched the very first one. I watched several other videos. So I never heard about what he was licensed in, if he was licensed, what state he's licensed in, how long he's been practicing, what he practices. So I don't know if he's a real estate agent. I don't know if he's a loan officer. I don't know if he's neither. He never went over that stuff. He never discussed it. So that's number one. You want to hear them discuss and address their credentials. That's important. Uh, number two, do they have specific knowledge in the particular field that they're talking about? You know, because I've been in this industry long enough to where if I had to put together a video discussing real estate, I could do it and I could, I could make it entertaining. I could be credible, but it would be much better coming from someone like Pierre who actually has specific experience in dealing with that stuff. And then lastly, and this is important when we're talking about real estate, where are they located geographically? Because real estate is all about location and what's going on in one market does not happen necessarily in another market. So when I hear this person talking about how they bought their first duplex for 180,000, I'm immediately understanding, okay, he's not in California, probably nowhere near the West Coast, to be honest with you. But then later on in another video, when he's discussing what's gonna happen with the crash, I'm like, okay, some of your, some of your thinking along the lines of whether or not we're headed for a crash and why, that is shaped by the market you're in. Because like we've, point, we've uh, pointed out several times, you're gonna have a different experience in a different real estate market. So while, yeah, there are parts of the country where they may be headed for a big crash. I just don't see that here specifically. And I'll later on in another segment, I'll kind of go give you some details as to why, but I can't say it enough, verifiable sources people, because a lot of people look good on camera. A lot of people come across as polished and professional and they sound smart, but they may not be the right source to get that information from. Yeah, absolutely. And we do look good on camera. So yes. I mean, when it, we can't front, we do look great on camera. So make sure to watch us right. on, on our YouTube channel as well. Even if you're listening on the podcast, check us out on the YouTube channel. I guarantee you, you'll like what you see. I guarantee Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but you also, everything that we do post, we always make sure to have our, our credentials. We have the name of the, the company that we're with. We have our license number. We have our email addresses. We have our websites. We have our phone numbers, right? Because we want everyone to know that the advice and the value that we're providing, it's coming from a licensed, uh, credible person, right? So definitely make sure, you know, when you guys are doing your research, look for things like that because that's very important. And Wes and I know that real estate is a local business. It's a local market. So a person speaking on real estate, you know, and they may live in New York, that's different than what's going on in, let's say, Orange County, Southern California, Nevada, Las Vegas, and so forth, right? So when you're looking at your, your information, 
definitely want to make sure that you're getting it from a local source because that's going to be a person that truly experiences things that you're experiencing and also be able to talk more on an intelligent level, on a relevant level, as opposed to what theory is or what maybe kind of sort of what it can be. So. All right. Now we move on to hot topics. Hot topics. Yes. Yes. So Wes and I get this question all the time. So we decided let's talk about it, right? So so Wes, what would a real estate crash look like? That's a great question. And just going back to what we were talking about in the last segment, that looks very different depending on what market you're in. You know what I'm saying? So like if you're in like remote places, maybe in North Dakota, maybe in the state of Texas, that's going to look very different than it would, you know, in Southern California. But I did want to discuss it because people keep bringing it up. And the reason I wanted to discuss it is because they're bringing it up with the context of what happened back in 2008. So, and, and you guys have heard me speak on this before. If you're fans of the show, you've watched earlier episodes, you know, there are very different, very different things happening here than there were in 2008. Um, so for starters, even if you think that homes are being overvalued right now, right? Even if you think that's the case, they're being overvalued for very different reasons than what we saw in 2008. 2008, they were being overvalued because you had a lot of people who were in the market that should not have been able to get into the market because they had a lot of programs or a few programs for financing that allowed people who otherwise would not qualify to qualify. So that overinflated demand, that overinflated the market. Simultaneously, that demand increased home values, which also got current homeowners to keep refinancing, to take money out of the, their property, which then continued to overinflate home values. So that's what was happening then. What's happening now is very different. What's driving this now is demand and the shortage of available property. And how we got here was the fact that after 2008, we never quite caught up to the level we should have been at with building new homes. You know, because number one, a lot of people who went through the recession, they were not in position to buy homes and a lot of the investors were scared off on building new homes. So right now what's driving this, you know, this price, uh, you know, this price eruption is the fact that there are more people looking for homes than there are people looking to sell those homes. So if we had a crash in, let's say, Southern California, what would that look like? I mean, yeah, it's going to be like mind, $100,000 houses, Wes. That's what, that's what people keep saying. No, I mean, I don't see I don't see us going over a cliff on home values like we did in 2008 and thereafter. Maybe you'll see a deceleration. So let's say home values drop 10% in Southern California. Is that really, I mean, is that really a game changer? Is it? <laughs> no, I think people are anticipating like 50%, 75%. I think that's what people are anticipating. Exactly. And like I said, that's why I wanted to have the conversation because people are, you know, they're viewing a potential crash 
through the lens of 2008. And because of that, they're allowing that to generate fear, you know, and concern in keeping themselves from moving forward with something they may want. Um, the other thing is too, so let's say in that 10% hypothetical, okay? Um, so if you buy a property today that you can afford, you love the area, you love living there, you buy it and overnight, hypothetically, it drops 10%, okay? If you're in Southern California, how long do you think it's going to take you to recuperate that value? Probably not long. Right, months. Yeah, let's say, let's call it a couple years even, right? Because generally, and here's something else, historically speaking, home values appreciate, at least around here, around these parts, Home values appreciate anywhere from three to seven percent annually. That's historically speaking. So let's say three percent. Let's imagine the worst case scenario. So you buy it, boom, you lose 10%. It's only appreciating at three percent. That's going to take a few years. And if you're buying the home to live in, my guess is you're buying it because you want to be there for longer than three years. And by the way, I make sure I ask all my clients, how long do you see yourself living in that home? Because that does matter. And why you're buying the home also matters. I'm going to advise you very differently if you're an investor. And even as an investor, I'm going to advise you very differently depending on what your goal is for investment. Are you looking for cash flow or are you looking for uh, you know, appreciation, right? Are you looking to flip the home and make as much money as you possibly can? Are you looking to rent it out for cash flow? You know, so those are very different things. So I don't see, you know, I don't see anything to make me believe that, you know, we're going to experience this 2008 like crash. And oh, by the way, here's the other thing that helped with 2008 and home values and all that. All those people who got into those programs and they could no longer afford their payments and they no longer had equity in the property. Guess what they had to do? They had to go through a foreclosure or they had to go through a short sale. Mm -hmm. And again, this flooded the market with properties. And now you had, because of the recession, more people who are looking to sell a home now than people who are looking to buy a home. That was a problem. Those programs mostly do not exist now. And oh, by the way, for the last year, while we've had historically low interest rates, a lot of the lenders during the pandemic were more restrictive with their lending guidelines. So you had even less people who should not be in a home getting into a home. So I just don't see, you know, like I said, specifically in this market where you should have a big concern. Oh, by the way, I've been telling you guys this for a while. So we knew we were gonna have this conversation today. I went on Google, got on the Google machine. I said, huh, let's see if anybody else has any ideas about what a crash might look like. Two of the first articles that come up, one from Forbes and one from Bloomberg. Why the bubble is not bursting. Why there's not gonna be a bubble bursting. Why there's not a crash imminent. And I can send you the articles and they point out almost everything I'm telling you guys. I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but they do need to offer me a job. <laughs>
they might want to offer me a job. I'm just saying. But the point is, like I said, I, I understand the concern. I understand where people are thinking about, but you just need to understand that why something happens is just as important as what happens. And the why is very different right now than it was in 2008. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said, sir. Very well said. So now this is an expression for everyone that thinks we're going to have a crash. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and that's, that's another reason why you should check your sources, right? Mm -hmm. Check your sources. You know, like really check your sources because everything that we've been seeing, and this is something that we and Wes and I do on, on a daily basis, nothing has indicated that we're going to have any type of crash, anything similar than what we had prior. Nothing right. is showing us any of the any of that data. So if you're a buyer out there and you're and you're waiting for the crash, gotta tell you something. It's not happening the way you want to happen. So the thing is it comes back to are you financially able to buy a house? Are you ready to take on the responsibility? Can you afford it? And do you plan to live there for these three years, right? If you're saying yes to all these things, then move forward. Don't worry about, oh, the home prices, everything's selling for this and this. At the end of the day, it's your budget. What your budget is. If you don't want to spend more than $700,000, then we'll make sure you don't spend more than $700,000, right? It's about you. Don't take the whole world's reaction to determine your fate we only look at the person across from us right i we want to help you get into your next house so tell us a budget what you want to work with and we'll make it happen all right now market update market update so we're going to talk a little bit about real estate and also a little bit about the jobs market as well oh something like that Okay. Some speculation right. stuff. Um, so for starters, and this is where we find a difference geographically. So I'm, I'm on a mortgage, mortgage news daily, one of the sites I go to often for information. And one caption catches my, my attention, uh, says new home sales hit a 12-month low. So I'm like, hmm, let me check this out. What's this all about? Now, within the article, what I find out is that home sales nationwide new home sales have gone down by 5.9 percent now Wes, when you say new homes are you talking about like new construction homes yes okay. sir Perfect. new home new construction homes have gone down by 5.9 percent which is pretty interesting you know that's something important but within the article what i also found out is that those same sales in the west not even southern california in the west west coast you know, are up 6.7% from last year in April. So we're up here. Now, when we talk about real estate being geographical or local, why are some of the reasons that might be happening? Well, could it be that we have, in most cases, better weather here? So the building is of new construction homes is not being infringed upon because of weather, things like that. Right. Maybe because we have better, nicer, more consistent weather, people are more willing to get out and go look for a home and excited about doing it. I mean, just imagine if you were in some place where it was a, you know, really cold right now 
rainy, snowy, whatever, and you have to get all layered up and go look for a house, right? Some people are still going to do it, but I'm I'm imagining there are going to be some people that are like, eh, let's wait till the you know let's wait till the cools down and warms up, whatever, you know. So the point is that again, what happens in one market is not necessarily going to happen in another market because it's very different. But anyway, I thought that was an important indicator. And if you're not in Southern California, West Coast, that is an important indicator. And you should read more about it and see what's going on and why, you know, some of these things are happening. And it could be a good thing because if less people are signing up to buy new homes, that means that there's more available for you to buy in other markets. So that's a good thing. Um, secondly, I noticed the uh, New York Fed chair still believes that we're nowhere close to full employment. You know, or, and what that means is we are not even close to have uh, recovered from pre-COVID employment numbers or job losses. And so he's calling for, and he's basically saying, so now's not the time to lift the rates. You know, now's not the time to try to, you know, increase rates and things like that. And that's probably ultimately where we are na nationwide. And that's probably going to be the policy of the Fed going forward, not quite there yet, which is good because that means that mortgage rates will probably stay relatively close to where they are now or still historically low, will probably still be below three and a half percent for quite some time. And when we were talking in the last segment about the potential crash or what have you, that's the part, the missing piece as well. Because like I said, if we hypotentially, uh, if we potentially or hypothetically um, lose 10% value or whatever, what are you gonna lose if you wait five, six, seven years? Because even though I don't think there's that kind of crash coming in the not too distant future, I know at some point interest rates are gonna go up. I know that much. And that means that you're going to qualify for less and you're gonna pay more to get less. So that's also something to think about. Wow, man, I, I like that. You end up going to be paying more to get less. Yes. You know, that, that's a great line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Wes, for that, for that update. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, we always want to make sure that, you know, the economy is doing better, you know, getting more jobs out there to, for people to get jobs. So, you know, it's always a good thing that, you know, we're always, you know, hoping for. So hopefully we'll definitely see an increase, you know, in employment as we continue. So well, thanks again for that one. All right. Now we move on to one of my favorite segments of our show is the West Files. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the West Files title today is Hoping is Hoping. That's right. Hoping is coping. Hoping is coping. Yes. And I, I could not agree more with that. Don't get me wrong. Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things for those of you who love, uh, who love Shawshank Redemption. Um, but there are times when hope, is, to me, there are times when hope is a bad thing, especially if hope is guiding your decisions. And it just so happens that in a real estate transaction, that is one of those times. So I want to tell you about. <laughs> oh, 
Hold on, wait for him to tell the story. So I want to tell you about two scenarios with two different clients. Now, one client, they went in and they agreed to purchase a home, right? They agreed to purchase a home for 50000 above the listed price, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the reason they agreed to this was they were hopeful and unfortunately, their agent was optimistic that the appraisal was going to come in higher than the list price. I will ruin the end of the story for you. It didn't. It only came in at the list price. Now, I had another client who was buying a property that they believed to be overpriced, and they were told by the listing agent, yeah, we know it needs some upgrades and everything like that. So, you know, we put it on the market for, let's call it 425000 My clients agreed to buy, buy it for 445000 And because the listing agent said, we know it needs upgrades, that's why we only put it on the market for four twenty-five. They were also hopeful that the appraisal was not going to come in at the list, at the contract price. Well, unfortunately, it did. And in both situations, both of my buyers immediately had regret and remorse and were looking for ways to, you know, either get back to the price they really wanted to purchase the home for or looking for ways to get out of the transaction. So the reason I'm having this conversation is we talk about it every week, how there is a shortage of available properties out there. And because of that, homeowners more than ever are being asked to go into a contract and they're asked to give up more of themselves and do more to win the offer. So in some cases, it's buying the home for well over the listed value. Some cases, they're asking you to raise your appraisal contingency up front. They're asking you to waive your uh, loan contingency up front. These things are happening all the time now. They're asking to put a larger deposit down, you know, larger, larger earnest money deposit. And they're asking them to shorten their time frames. And this is what I'm going to tell you. And this is the important thing. Don't agree to anything that you're not 100% comfortable with. That's what I'm going to tell you. Because hoping is coping. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And all you're doing with the hoping is you're finding ways to cope with the fact that what you want to happen didn't happen and may not happen. So we're just going to hope. And when you go into contracts like that, you should not hope because you have money on the line. You have whatever you're trying to do with your family on the line. Because when you move and when you're buying a home, kids have to be registered in school. You have to make plans to move. Um, you know, your landlord has to know when you're leaving and all that. You're putting all these plans into motion. And so if you're not 100% comfortable with doing what's being asked of you, in the worst case scenario, We don't want to be hopeful. We want to be doubtful. The worst case scenario, if you're not comfortable with that, then you should not move forward on that contract. And you should not be going into that contract. You should be going into a contract where you feel 100% confident and comfortable with whatever you put on that paper. Period. Yeah. And the thing is, as as realtors, you know, 
our job, we have a fiduciary responsibility to our clients, you know, and part of that is understanding the fact of what our clients can financially do and, and cannot do. And for a realtor to put their client in that type of situation, you know, it, it's, it's horrible. You know, I mean, the thing is, as realtors, we, <laughs> we can't live off of hope, hope that this home appraises. You know, it, it can't it can't work that way. And the thing is, you know, knowing your client's options is very important. And this is something that you, you should discuss with your clients ahead of time. Like, listen, if the home doesn't appraise, can you make up the difference? Oh, yes, we can make mm -hmm. up the difference. You have the money. Okay, excellent. Right? So we know if the home appraises, great. If it doesn't appraise, we can at least make up the difference. The problem is, if you're just like, oh, don't worry, guys. You know, the home is going to appraise. Like, don't even worry about it and the home doesn't appraise, and they can't make up the difference, you put your clients in a bad, bad, bad situation, right? So definitely making sure that you aren't hoping for coping, you know, as, as Broker West says, but also, you know, like as a, as a buyer too, make sure you talk to your agent and ask those questions. Like, so we don't have the 40000 so what happens if the home doesn't appraise? What, what are our options? You know, and if your agent says, oh, don't worry about that, like, we're going to be fine, then, you know, that may be a, a red flag for you to, you know, definitely maybe check out another realtor because, you know, like I said, we have a fiduciary responsibility for our clients. And part of that is giving our clients options. And part of that is also making sure that we represent our clients and, and have their best interests in mind. And as an agent, if you're going to these situations like this and having your clients be, uh, quote unquote SOL in terms of not having the funds to make up that difference now being the situation. Were you really performing uh for this year responsibility for your clients? Were you really looking out for your clients' best interest or were you looking out for yours? Agreed. All right, next uh we move on to City Spotlight and today we're going to talk about the city of Buena Park. So, a city of Buena Park, it was founded in 1887. It's home to Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Lucy, Pigpen, Linus, and all the other peanut characters, aka Knott's Berry Farm. It has over 81,000 residents in the city of Buena Park. Average home price in Buena Park is over 730000 and uh, median income, meaning uh, in terms of people that live there and, and how much they make, is a little over 80, 84,000. And today, officially, there's about 25 homes available in the city of Buena Park. And I'm also going to let Wes share some other information about the city of Buena Park. Yeah, so I like to cover mostly the lifestyle aspects of the, of the city because, after all, you live there. <laughs> yeah, after all, you're going to live there. So uh, some of the things they do, they have summer concerts. They have a food truck festival. I'm a real big fan of that one. That sounds really tasty. Uh, they have a summer job fair, uh, Memorial Day service, uh, of course, for uh, veterans. They have the spring extravaganza. That, of course, is their Easter time or spring break uh, celebration. Then, of course, one of my two favorite things, and for the holidays, speaking of Knott's Berry Farm, are Knott's Scary Farm, which happens during Halloween, and Knott's Merry Farm, which happens during Christmas time. 
So love going to those things. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we just got season passes. The wife and the kids were out there the other day. They had a block. They had a blast. So not scary farm. Great. They also have a candy cane land and craft fair for Christmas, as well as Santa visits. Then they have a Silverado Days Carnival, uh, and they have a su Super Senior Saturday Expo, which is, I guess, one of the largest senior expos uh, in the county. So, yeah, lot, lot to do there. All right. Let's give it up for Buena Park. And if you're thinking about buying, selling, or investing in Buena Park, definitely feel free to reach out to us because we would love the opportunity to help you with all your Buena Park needs. So once again, let's give it up for the city of Buena Park, home of Snoopy and the Peanut Family. All right, so next segment is in the news. So this is what we talked about that's in the news. So right. today we're gonna talk about the infrastructure plan that looks like it has been put together uh, by President Biden and all the other elected officials. So, Wes, tell us what in what's entailed regarding the infrastructure plan. Did we get those student loans that we're asking for? Did we get the housing that we're asking for? Did we get the stimulus checks that we're asking for? I'm afraid those are not on th those are not on the Christmas list. But there's a lot of good stuff in here, nonetheless. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, as we discussed a few weeks ago, we said that they were really close. And here we are. They got it together. Um, so let me just go over some of the finer points. So they've allotted $312 billion for transportation. So that's going to be $109 billion to go to roads, bridges, and major projects. $11 billion towards safety. Public transit, $49 billion. Passenger and freight rail, 66 billion. Electrical vehicles, 7.5 billion. Electric buses in transit, excuse me, 7.5 billion. Reconnecting communities, 1 billion. Not quite sure what that means. 25 billion toward airports, 16 billion toward ports and waterways, and infrastructure financing of 20 billion. Now, in addition to that, we also have. Um, Environmental remediation, 21 billion. Power, including grid authority, 73 billion. Western water, water storage, 5 billion. And resilience, 47 billion. So that's a lot of money. Oh, I'm sorry. There's also 65 billion going toward broadband and another 55 billion going toward water. So some of the, you know, some of the goals they have with the plan. Uh, they want to be able to prepare infrastructure for impacts from weather and natural disasters. So that's obviously going to be important. Uh, in addition to that, they want to build a national network of electrical vehicle chargers along highways and in rural and disadvantaged communities. They want to connect every American to reliable high-speed internet. That's a good thing. Uh, they also want to upgrade the power infrastructure, including by building thousands of miles of new resilient transmission lines to facilitate the expansion of renewable energy. So long story short, as we discussed a few weeks ago, that sounds like a lot of people potentially getting well-paying jobs. So I think that's a good thing. And that means a lot more people who are able to buy homes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yes. And by the way, you know what else I hear? I hear the increase in home values because if there's more amenities and better stuff and better access, that's probably good for home values, right? It looks that way. It absolutely looks that way. Oh, they keep trying to mess up this crash for people, man. People really want this crash and they keep trying to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know it, it's funny. I was talking to um, a friend of mine yesterday, and they were talking about, you know, um, their last trip uh, when they went to Europe, and they're talking about how you know you can go on the train, you pretty much travel all throughout Europe, right? And they're like, you know, it would be nice if they had something like that, you know, in our country, right, where they had private uh, railroads, right, that would be used, you know, privately, you know, and then they had separate railroads that would be used for business for freight and things like that and i was like hmm that'd be that'd be interesting to, to see something like that because i know one of my uh a friend of mine uh, they went to kansas city i believe and they had a and it was like a a longer trip because they had to take themselves off of the off the tracks you know for about six or eight hours while you know the freight was coming past mm. you know because you because they share the same track right so I was thinking about that. I was like, yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting to have something like that, you know, because obviously that would be another mode of transportation, right? So instead of everyone, you know, going on the planes, then they also have another option for for transportation too. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be cool. That'd be uh, that'd be very good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so next we have a new FHFA chair, which is the Federal Housing Finance Authority. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they are pretty much over Fannie and Freddie, and they make a lot of the uh, policies that impact lending and your ability to finance a home. For instance, they are typically the ones that determine what the new um, max loan amounts are going to be for each area every year. So um, her name is Sandra Thompson. She's already within the department. And you know, we'll see what her policy, because obviously the policy that they have is important in how they deal with that. So under the Trump administration, one of the things that they wanted to do was they wanted to make Fannie and Freddie private again, completely private, instead of being under the federal conservatorship that they were put under after uh, the crash in 2008. So we'll see how the policy is going to be shaped going forward from that. And then lastly, we've still got basketball going on. Life went on without the Lakers and LeBron, unfortunately. <laughs> and, and the Brooklyn Nets, too, man. That was like a huge shocker. Everyone figured they were like the shoe to win it. So, you know, but I always, I always say injuries are the one caveat. You know, that is always the thing because the wrong injury at the wrong time, you're not going to win probably, you know. So uh, in the Western Conference Finals, we have the Suns versus the Clippers. Uh, the Suns are currently up two to one. Uh, Chris Paul came back last night, but it wasn't enough. And the next home, the next game is at Staples Center, so we'll see what happens there. And in the Eastern Conference, we have the Bucks and the Hawks. Let me get my shoulder shimmy. Let me get, yeah, let me get, yeah, you know, like my boy Ice Trey, you know. <laughs> so the Hawks took game one. We got game two tonight, and they're up 1-0 in the series. So we'll see how that shakes out. 
Um, I don't want to make any predictions, but we'll see. But game one was uh, definitely, definitely exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely anyone's game at this point. I mean, the, the front runners are definitely out. So, I mean, we'll definitely see what happens. And I think it actually makes this more interesting anyway. You know, just because, like I said, everyone wrote out everyone else and said, yo, Nets have it. Nets have it all day. They got a stack. They got a stack bench. They got, a, you know, they got a, uh, arguably top five players, you know, in, in the starting positions, right? So everyone just wrote, wrote every team off. So to see that happen now, it's definitely going to make it interesting. So we'll see. What yeah, happens. by the way, I forgot to mention this important part about the Hawks series. So, you know, there's a, there's a saying in the NBA, the series doesn't start until somebody wins on the road. Well, game one, the Hawks won on the road. And they seem to be a better road team than they are home team. So uh, now it's up to uh, with uh, the Bucks to try to win tonight to tie this series. And then they have to go on the road and try to get one from Atlanta, if not two. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So we'll definitely see what happens. We will definitely see what happens. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to share with? Any other new nuggets? Anything you want to drop? No, that's basically it. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, uh, we appreciate your comments, likes, and shares. Oh, yeah. You know, I always forget to mention, like, dang, those are some nice shirts you guys have. Yes. We actually have branded shirts. Just saying, Mama, I made it. Mama, I made it. I got, we got branded shirts, right? <laughs> if you're interested yeah. in the shirts, you know, we're definitely selling them. So they come in all different uh, shapes, sizes, and colors and all that good stuff. Uh, part of the proceeds actually go to one of my favorite nonprofits that I'm a proud board member of. It's Create a Smile. It's an organization that we help kids that are diagnosed with life-threatening illnesses. So a portion of the proceeds uh, go to that nonprofit. Again, thank you guys for all your comments, likes, and shares. Thank you guys for supporting our podcast, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, social media, on all your favorite podcasts. Until then, see you on the next episode, 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 episode.